Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. For eight years, Malati Wizen has been fighting the plastic pollution that is ravaging her country, Indonesia. Like her, a generation is rising up to fix the world. Everywhere teenagers and young adults are fighting for human rights, the climate, freedom of expression, social justice, access to education, and dignity. Alone against all odds, sometimes risking their own lives and safety, they protect and denounce and care for others. The film is called Bigger Than Us, and the director, producer, Flore Vasur is joining us, as well as Malate Wizen and Mary Finn. The last two are subjects in the film, this wonderful documentary film, because if we're going to change our current situation, the people that are in this film and so many more are going to be the reason that we do make these changes. So thank you so much. The film, again, Bigger Than Us, and to all of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Thank you. And I, I'm reaching you in France. You're at the Cannes Film Festival. Congratulations on screening there. And one of the reasons I bring that up is because this is an international platform, much more than I think any other, uh, maybe any other film festival in the world, is where the world comes to watch film. And um, I think for you, that's wonderful. It's a platform. It's an opportunity. It begins a dialogue. As Greta Thunberg has started us down this road for young people being involved, I'm so grateful that you are. And um, I will start with you, Flore. Um, how did this film come about? What inspired you to make this film? There's two things. The first one is that I've been writing for 15 years, uh, trying to document the end of the world as we know it and how other uh, how people activist, entrepreneur, artists were trying to uh, offer solution. And I've been doing books, I've been doing uh, TV documentaries, I've been doing journalism work for bigger uh, media outlets, and none, and none of the things that I've been doing had any impact. I, I loved it, but you know, it doesn't change the game at all. And I was, because I was trying to convince adults, and the adults that I was trying that I was trying to convince, even with uh, uh, my work with Edward Snowden, the adults were always uh, uh, telling me, "Yeah, the the work is great. Uh, Media Snowden is uh, Edward Snowden is absolutely incredible." But you know, I will never be able to do what he is doing because I'm not him. Uh, I'm, I do not. I, I, and I've seen the adults, uh, you know, putting so many restraints and having this inner resistance every time I was trying to instill change. So I was really trying to almost um, quit, you know, this job, like saying, yeah, I'm not gonna spend my life trying to instill change if nobody is listening to it. Uh, and at the same time, I have two kids, but my son, uh, seven years old, asked me the question that um, all the parents fear is what, which was, uh, mama, what does it mean that the planet is going to die? So not only uh, was I in a position where my work was not useful, but on top of that, as a mother, I was not even able to answer my son's question. And answering my son's question became, 
the most important thing I had to do. And at the very first, on the very first day that he asked me this question on the afternoon, my best friend sent me Melati's TED talk with her sister, Isabel. You were like what, 16 at the time. And they were explaining what they were doing in Bali. And I said, yeah, well, this is the kind of story I need to, to tell my son. So I contacted Melati. I had this opportunity to go and film her for an Arte documentary, French-German uh, TV. Uh, and I thought, you know, I was just going there and meet these girls and answer my son question and go back to my regular uh, big subject for adults like corruption, et cetera, et cetera. Except that when I met Melati, just blew me away like the 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 level of energy the passion and the wisdom uh, at such a young age uh, i immediately thought that to about all the adults who were resisting the very narrative that yes we can do things uh like the the argument that you are not snowden yeah maybe i hear that but you are or you have been a kid so what is it that, I mean, it was the most compelling uh, thing. And so we get along, I guess. And I had this idea of, of I mean, of going further because uh, I enjoy it so much. And I thought it was, there was a even bigger story than these Indonesian girls that they were part of something even bigger than, than, than that the enormous work that they were doing because this youth um, activism was not only in climate, but also with Mary on uh, a migrant crisis and uh, freedom of speech and uh, education and women's rights. And so it was everywhere, it was distributed, but us journalists and filmmakers were not listening and we're not uh, looking at the right, in the right direction. So this is why I did that. And I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't. I'm gonna go to Mary Fenn, she is the, uh, young woman who has been a, a part of going out into the Mediterranean to help uh, facilitate the, the people fleeing from countries ravaged by war, by climate. So many different ele elements are coming into play. And Mary, I, I think your story is such an important one because in some ways, this is where the world is going. You are on the forefront of something in terms of migration, mass migration. Right now, it's been generally about Syria, the civil war, unrest in the Middle East, in Libya, those things have been happening. And, we're, and we're, the world is somewhat focused on that, has been focused on that. But as we see in Jakarta, a, a city that's sinking, literally sinking into the earth, as we see all over the world, Bangladesh, so many countries around the world are on the verge of literally millions of people being displaced. And what are we going to do? How are we going to deal with it? And we're not doing a very good job now. And I fear for the future if we don't start to do a better job. But what you're doing is in the forefront. So I want to talk to you about why you got involved in this particular issue and what motivated you to go out into the Mediterranean to, tell, to help save people. I think just following on from what you said, um, yeah, I really believe that this is just the beginning yeah. of the climate crisis and a, a massive migration crisis merging and becoming part of like one massive crisis because yeah we're gonna start seeing way more climate migrants and we already have started seeing people that literally cannot live in the places that they 
that they live anymore. And we are fortunate enough to live in some of the most temperate climates in the world. And we're going to be a hotspot for people coming. And that's fine. But we need to learn how to deal with it. And we need to know, we need to plan ahead to be able to preempt what's going to happen, how many people are going to be displaced and where they're going to be moving and how we're going to integrate them into our societies and, and make it work. Because if we don't, if we deal with it in the way that it's being dealt with now, it's going to be absolute chaos. And this is the problem. We're not thinking about the long term solutions with anything. And really, that's what needs to be done now. And that's what we're fighting for is like, let's take action now, but let's take action that's going to be long lasting for the future and not just action that's going to last one year or two years or like short-term little fixes to these problems that just basic, basically cover them up um, but don't actually really like propose and create a solution. Um, so this is how I feel for the future and as for the past I um, kind of fell into this work. I wasn't ever aiming for it. It was just something that happened and and now I've set my intention for it to be my life and I think that many of the young people in the film and, and also not in the film young activists and change makers around the world feel this like dedication to to their causes because because it's our life and it's our livelihoods and it's our world and it's our families and friends and everybody around us it's our humanity and it means like what could mean more to you than that because it's our existence and and really that's all we have here the planet would go on fine without us actually if we all just left it would be absolutely perfectly fine it would bounce back and it would be beautiful but what we need to protect is our livelihoods on this planet alongside fixing the damage that we've already done and um and yeah, I, I can't think of anything else that I would want to do, because for me, this is the most important work to do. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. And one thing real quickly before we go to Malati, um, and that is, you know, not it's barely mentioned, but the war in Syria was started over a climate related um, yeah. issue. Yeah, farmers, were, farmers were upset with water allocations. They went to the government, petitioned for help. And that turned into a bloody civil war. And I think that's, again, I think we're really talking about in some existential way, not only a threat to, to people who are growing up in this world now, but we're talking about a threat to the nation state. I don't know how a nation state survives a migration of five or six or 10 or 20 million people across these borders. I literally don't know how that's going to work. And when you're talking about massive unrest and civil, this is civil disorder. This is what I I fear, I hope it doesn't come to pass, but I fear that's where we're going. Yeah, so. and, and building higher fences and, and bringing in more police is not going to be not gonna the way it. to deal with it at all. And and that's the way that we're heading and, and it's just not right. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that like definitely these two topics are so intertwined and, and as we struggle for resources, it's going to cause more conflict, which is going to cause more migration, which right. and in the end, it's all the same. And, and we have to try and find something that can um yeah unite us yeah unite us. the world is separating and we're all drawing ourselves apart and all of our countries are so selfish and isolationist and i think that like the only solution now is to like unite to save our world co collectively yeah well i want to 
to, I want to switch over to our our guide, one of the sort of the driving force, the person who walks us through so much of what happens in Bigger Than Us, and that would be Malati Weisen. And Malati, you are um, a wonderful guide. Uh, and just to be able to introduce us to these different people from around the world, but you also have your own story to tell in your country of Indonesia. I touched on it a little bit. I, I mentioned the sinking of, Sikart, uh, of Jakarta, but it's about the plastic. That's your issue that you were initially came to came to be involved in. Tell us a little bit about how that happened. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, um, Mike, for your kind words. I think for me, that was one of the most exciting parts of being part of Bigger Than Us, of kind of meeting all of these different young change makers and the different topics and seeing how the similarities that kind of cross over all of our stories. But my story started, yeah, when I was 12 years old, growing up on Bali, the picture paradise island that everybody imagines when they think of Bali, right? And it's true, we do have the beautiful mountains, the rice fields, the waterfalls, the ocean, the beaches, but we also have a very strong reality of plastic pollution. That was just a uh, yeah, simply for me and my sister at the ages of 10 and 12, we didn't want to wait until we were older to start making a difference. So the rest is history. And we started eight years ago. And believe it or not, even though the ban is now officially in place, um, we're still working hard to make sure the implementation takes place. Because I think like if there's one thing that I've learned, you know, working with politics, trying to get policy change in place is that, um, you know, signing it, stamping it, announcing the regulation is not at all the same as actually implementing it to change everyday behavior and everyday life. So that's where we're still hard at work on Bali, making sure that it's being implemented. Um, yeah. Hey, I'm curious as to why the the problem reached the level it did. Is there something about Indonesian, do they import plastic or is this just a byproduct of the society um, accumulating all this plastic because it it's a massive amount that we see in the film and it's credible. Mm -hmm. So how did is it just a product of a of a society of a disposable society or what? Definitely. It's I also think here is a good time to mention, you know, the plastic problem. It's easy to think of places like Indonesia, you know, suffering, but it, the plastic pollution problem, it's a global problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing is we see it so much. It's such a reality in Indonesia. We can't turn our faces away. We can't expect a garbage truck to pick up our, you know, growing pile uh, before 6 a.m. in the morning, like some cities in, in Europe, you know, have. So it's, it's really such an in-your-face problem. And yeah, I, I mean, I guess the reason or what I've come to learn of why plastic you know, is as bad as it actually is, is for two big reasons. It's cheap and it's easy. Yeah. And it has created this comfort for us that nobody wants to let go. And I think it's kind of interesting as well throughout the film that you see this narrative of, uh, you know, challenging the status quo, challenging the comfort zone to really be able to create change. Yeah, well, a not so fun fact, and that is that uh, as oil companies are beginning to diminish in the, their ability to pump it out of the ground and make it turn it into gas, and uh, is that they're now putting their efforts into plastic because because plastic essentially is a petroleum-based product. So now they're focusing as the world begins to find uh, solar and uh, and other alternative mm -hmm. energy sources. They're putting a lot of their efforts now into promoting more and more plastic usage because that's where they're going to make money. So it's yeah. not going to go away. It's not. It's going to be a heavy lift. 
to get a handle on all of these things. But can, thank you for your work in this in this realm. Um, there's so many people in the film that I would just love to talk about. I, I fear we're going to run out of time. But one that jumps, a couple that jump right out at me is Memory Banda in Malawi. Mm -hmm. Yes, and her work, she's amazing. I just was so drawn to her and what a personality she is. And there's others, but do you want to talk a little bit about memory? Because the, one of the th reasons I want to bring her up is because, and it's true in other, with other uh, people that we visit in the film, that women getting an education and starting a business is, is the one of the key markers for an improvement in every society in the world. Every society that's done something like that is better. It's better for long-term, short-term, you name it. Women who are empowered through education and the ability, access to work and money, every society is better for it. So I just want to kind of touch on that as a well, first of all, Mike, I did want to say, I think it's absolutely uh, music to my ears hearing you say that. Um, you know, I think it's definitely uh, true. We need to empower and we need to prioritize, um, you know, giving space to women to continue their education and finish their education and then thrive in communities. Um, and memory visiting her in Malawi I remember uh, when we when when we arrived in touchdown, you know, people always said, oh, you're going to Malawi. And they always said, that's the end of the road. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I remember that term kind of thinking, oh, what are people what do they mean by that? But because when I met and when I saw and when I, you know, driving through the roads there, it was so full of life and the work that memory does. It's central to everything in life everywhere. Because yeah, exactly that, how important it is to empower women and how important it is to make sure that they feel supported all throughout their life. Um, so yeah, yeah. meeting yeah. memory is so special. Most of the world's work is done by women. No matter what mm -hmm. anyone tells you, most of the world's work. And I also want to mention uh, Winnie Tushabi in Uganda. Mm -hmm. When we talk about empowering, kind of giving people the access and resources to be able to produce their own material, own work and, and sell it in market, Again, birth rates go down. You know, all kinds of all kinds of markers for a better society get better when women are doing what they do and paid for it, not unpaid work, right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go back go back to you, uh, Flory, because there is just so much here. Um, I'm um, I, I assume you're in cans for the the premiere. Uh, any feedback? Are you getting what kind of responses? Are you getting reception regarding the film? How is you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the very uh, uh, best position to talk about that because this is a f my first feature film. That's my first time in Cannes. So every day is like, every minute is a surprise. I'm totally virgin in this exercise. So for me, it's like being in Wonderland, honestly, with uh, um, people. Um, yeah, I think people are, are ready for this kind of content and of proposal. We're going out tomorrow, Saturday night. I mean, it's just like crazy, crazy, crazy. I have had the opportunity to uh, to have Melati and Marie and Mohammed tonight again with me. So it's just like it's just like a reunion. It's a celebration. It's a, it's a milestone. And I also believe it's the start of something. As a producer and director of the film, I don't feel like we are at the end of the adventure. I mean, it's just beginning. That was the easy part, like filming and editing, even through COVID. 
was the it was the easy and relaxed part <laughs> and now it's going to be the the best the, the most chunk of the work the, the biggest chunk of the work is going to be now uh, being in Cannes for the moment, I'm I'm really with Melati and uh, and my crew and Mary and and we have fun and we work a lot. It's a lot of work because again, I think um, it's it's a film that is uh, kind of special in a very special time. I could not agree more. Well, I want to thank all of you for your time. I know it's been a busy well, thank day. You. Thank you for, for spending some time with us. The film, again, is called Bigger Than Us, and we've been talking with the our guide our, uh, and also one of the people highlighting uh, the, the issues that are uh, near and dear to her country, uh, and that would be Malati Weissen, as well as uh, Mary Finn, who was doing God's work in the Mediterranean in terms of not only helping save people, truly save people, but also bringing attention to something that it's coming, people. Mass migration is coming, and we need to figure out how we're going to deal with it. So I want to thank all of you for your work and for this film, Bigger Than Us. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.